0: And it's called a thorn in the flesh a thorn in the flesh you know in this season of covid the thing that was um, encouraged most of all was what what was the government kept on telling us to do wash your hands wear your mask well they weren't telling us to pray but we should be doing that. Amen? But they were telling us to get a shot. To get a shot, wasn't it? Wasn't that the big thing? You have to go and get a shot. Even today they're saying, go and get a booster shot. Well, in a way, uh, this story is about getting a shot. Uh, Paul called it a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh. Amen. We know in this story that um, Paul in Second Corinthians was kind of recounting some of the troubles and trials he had been through, and also recounting all the great revelations that God had given him. You know, the the, the revelation about grace, his great epistle in Romans and in Galatians about God's grace was such a complete opposite to what the Jews were used to or what they were expecting. They couldn't understand God's grace. And even today, we find it hard to truly understand something that is free. We always say, what's the catch? There's got to be a catch to it. Something that is really good. How can it be free? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he says this, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. Ooh. A thorn in the flesh. Anyone ever got a thorn stuck in your hand? Amen. That That is so painful. It's so small, and yet it is painful. Here, Paul is saying that there was something, there were some things that he had prayed for more than once, repeatedly. He had prayed for, in fact, three times. Maybe that's the could be the limit, you know, when you have to understand that if God is speaking to you. Jesus prayed in the garden how many times? Three times let this cup pass. So maybe after you pray for something three times, I'm not saying that's the case, but it's interesting, uh, the the number, that three times after he prayed, um, he got an understanding of what God wanted him to do. He said, lest I be exalted above measure, because of the abundance of revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. What he, he understood this was, it was something to help him be inoculated against a virus. This thorn in the flesh was there for a purpose. Sometimes we get inoculated and it hurts, but it serves a greater purpose, doesn't it? When they give a vaccine, it's for, the purpose is to stop you getting really sick. That's the theory of vaccination, right? They give you... Um, something that is going to maybe make you feel a little sick so that you don't get a really big sickness and this was the understanding that paul got in this situation he said there was give lest i should be exalted above measure there was a virus that he could have gotten anyone know what it's, it's called it starts with p pride There was a virus that he could have got. He said, lest I be exalted above measure. When we think of all the the revelations and all the epistles that Paul wrote and all the churches that he started, he was saying it could have gone to his head. He could have started and said, aren't I something special? I'm another Moses. I'm God's gift. But God had a way of keeping him humble. He said he gave him a thorn in the flesh because of the surpassing revelations. Sometimes... Some of the things that we have in our lives are there for a reason. They are there for a reason. We might not like it, but it just turns out that human nature is of the kind that uh, good judgment comes from bad experience. That's how we learn. As uh, Brother Parker said, the child learns that the stove is hot the first time. After that, they really have to be thick to keep putting their hands back. Some of us are like that, though. We keep repeating the same uh, experience over and over again and wondering why things haven't changed. So we see that he says in the next verse, verse continuing in verse 7, says, it says, A messenger, or the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Lest I should be exalted above measure. So this was something that he understood after a while was there to keep him humble. Sometimes God will allow things in our lives to keep us humble, to make sure that we don't get exalted above uh, measure, so to speak, as he put it here. And he shares with us that he had prayed for this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But what was God's reply? My grace is sufficient for you. You know what that means my unmerited favor. listen, Paul, I love you, and that 's all you really need to know amen that 's all you really need to know that 's all you really need to, to understand. You can make it paul there 's a reason why you 're going through what you 're going through, and it 's because I want to to save you from the virus of pride so i 'm giving you a shot now paul i 'm giving you a little inoculation, a little vaccination so that you don't get this sickness called pride, which is an extremely virulent and dangerous virus. In fact, it's the one that got Satan. Amen? It was, the, it was pride that got Satan. In fact, it's one of the things that God says is an abomination. Pride. And it's such a dangerous virus. And it's so it's so subtle. It's just like COVID. It can creep up on you and you don't even realize you have it. You don't even realize that you have got a proud look. A proud look. The Bible says the proud he sees what? are afar off. We're reminded of the Pharisee who went to pray. And he looked around him and he saw the publican and he says, I'm not even like this fellow. <laughs> now that's pride, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm not like this fellow. I do this, I pay my tithes, I do all of this. I'm not like this fellow. But God said his grace is sufficient. What that tells me is that even though sometimes we have to go from, get some shots, so to speak, to cure um, some virus we may be dealing with, God has said his grace is sufficient. That means his goodwill, his loving kindness, unmerited favor. That means not because we deserved it. As we know, Paul, before his conversion, was not really a nice character, right? He was going around killing Christians. He was locking them up in prison. He was splitting up families, hauling off uh, men and women, putting them in jail. In fact, he was on his way to do some more things like that when God interrupted his journey. But it was because he saw the truth and was willing to change and to ask for mercy and grace when he said, Who is it, Lord? Amen. Some people don't even want to ask that because they don't want to know the truth. Because what the, what happens if you know the truth? That's right. It's going to set you free. Amen. You're going to understand a few things. Amen. So what he found out in this is that he was going to have to deal with whatever this thorn in the flesh was. Now, many people think it was physical, that it was his eyesight, maybe. Some people think that it was actually some people. And I'm sure it was all of those things. I think Paul had to deal with everything that we have to deal with in everyday life. Sometimes our thorn is some people. Sometimes it's some family. Sometimes it's the boss at work. Sometimes it might be a financial situation that we've been dealing with for a long time. But whatever it is, God tried to get through to Paul that my grace is sufficient. And in this verse is really a great deep revelation and something that it's beyond our human understanding. He says this, My power is made perfect in weakness. Now that's something to really meditate upon. My power, his power, is made perfect in weakness. How do we understand that? How do we grasp that? How do we actually meditate upon that? He says, My power is made perfect in weakness. What is God trying to say? Well, we're going to look at some examples of that in the Old Testament where it was through um, man's insufficiency that God was able to work. In fact, as we were coming here today, tonight, Sister um, Diane told us, hey, did you hear? Some people in Florida won the lotto. (laughs) And my first reaction was, wow, they're going to have to run for their lives. (laughs) They can't go home tonight. They can't be sleeping Peacefully, because as soon as word gets out, they're they're a marked person, right? They're going to have to hire security. They're going to have to be looking over their shoulder. I mean, it sounds good winning that much, but think about what comes with it. Your, Your life is now different, very different, amen. But God was showing something really deep here. He said, my power is made perfect in weakness. What it shows is that if we had all this, everything we needed, when would we seek God? If we had no issues, if we just, you know, snapped our fingers and everything was given to us, when would we seek God? When would we need God? When could He show us His love? When could He act upon our behalf? Amen. His power is made perfect in our weakness. When we understand that we can give it to Him. Amen. He wants to take that. He wants to be made perfect or make us perfect in our weakness by allowing Him to be our all-sufficiency, to be the sufficient one. Amen. Let's look at this in the Old Testament, how that works. It says in Judges chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. God allowed them to fall into their enemies' hands. And you know man is not very kind or merciful. And so the Midianites persecuted the Jews and 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 in in other words it was a punishment for their betrayal of their first love to God. They left God so they left his protection. Amen. When you leave the house and you go to places where you know it's dangerous, then you are taking the risks and knowing what you're doing. When we leave God's protection, when we leave His trust, when we leave His side, when we leave His covering, then we're saying, I'm big enough to handle this myself. And that's what Israel did. They, they started to worship false gods. Even though they knew the story of how God had delivered Moses and the children of Israel out of Egypt, they went back to worshiping false gods. And the Bible says here, the children of Israel did evil, in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. But God is so merciful, He didn't let them stay there. You know, whenever we come to a place of repentance, whenever we turn again and say, Lord, have mercy, God will always have mercy to those who ask. And so God decided it was time to deliver them. Judges chapter 6, verse 3, And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east even. They came up against them and would take their crops, steal. They'd wait till it's harvest, wait till it was almost ready time and then come and steal their, their crops. It's just like the devil does today. He waits till you get a blessing. That's when he wants to come and, and do something. Amen. That's when he wants to come and take away your joy. And because of this, year after year, every time at the harvest, Israel, although they were planting crops, the Bible says that they were starving. They were impoverished. They weren't getting anywhere. Judges chapter 6, verse 6. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Cried unto the Lord. They repented. When we repent, hallelujah, God is always willing to be merciful. The Bible says that godly sorrow... Rep- worketh repentance. Amen. And so God decided to choose someone, and of course, you know the story of Gideon. He chose someone who didn't think he was qualified to be anything. God will always choose someone who isn't full of themselves. God chose Moses, and Moses said, I can't do this job. Why don't you cho- choose my brother? He didn't say, Yeah, you choose the right person, God. I'm right here. I'm the one. Yes, I'm the one you wanted. No, God will look for the humble because he wants room to work. He doesn't want anyone to take his glory. God will not. He said, my glory I won't give to another. The most dangerous thing is to start saying it was me. King Herod did that, didn't he? The Bible says he gave a great speech and the people said, oh, this is the voice of a God. And immediately the angel struck him. Same thing with Nebuchadnezzar. You know, pride becomes before a fall. As I, I preached a message, one: you bow down now or you fall down later. Judges 6.6, 6, and Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. So God decided he was going to come up with a plan to deliver them from the oppressor. And in Judges 6.10, he decided to choose this one guy named Gideon. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But ye have not obeyed my voice. In other words, the reason why all this is happening to you is because you've been disobedient. Many times if anything bad happens to me, I don't really have to go asking. I know. I can, I can see the decision I made that messed it all up. But ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizrite and his son Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So they took the wheat and they took it somewhere else so that they were trying to hide it from the Midianites because where the normal place to thresh wheat was on the high ground. This time they took it down to somewhere where they thought they could hide it. And the Lord appeared then unto Gideon Because God had had a plan for rescue. But he was wanting to to make a point to the Israelites. He was wanting to show them how this was going to happen. It wasn't going to be because uh, they had some great army. It wasn't going to be because they had riches. It was going to be because of his glory and his might. And in this story we have an example of God's power in weakness. Power in weakness. How God can take even you and me and our weaknesses and work with it if we give it to him, right? He can take the little and make it much. He can take two fishes and five barley loaves and multiply it and feed more than 15,000. The Bible says there were 5,000 men besides women and children, so you you at least got to multiply that by three. He can take something so small and multiply when it is given to him when it was given to him verse 12 of judges and the, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him the Lord is with thee thou mighty man of valor at that time I'm sure Gideon was going looking around who are you talking to <laughs> who is this mighty man of valor <laughs> who is the you, remember what I said God does in Romans 8 what does he do Calls those things that are not as though they are. God was looking at the victory. Gideon had, was still threshing wheat. And God said, the angel said to him, Thou mighty man of valor. Now that would shock me too. If God said that to me. But what God does, he looks at the end. He's looking at his finished plan. God can look at you if you will come to him and look at the finished thing complete perfected the Lord is with thee thou mighty man of valor and Gideon said unto him oh my Lord if the Lord be with us he asked the normal question then why are we going through all of this mess why is things so hard why why are we suffering if the Lord is with us why is all of this befallen us and where be all his miracles I heard about it. My grandfather told about it. I heard about great-grandfather talking about the miracles of crossing the Red Sea, of of food appearing on the ground. Well, where are those miracles? You ever wanted to ask that? Where are those miracles? Now, we've seen some miracles, but I want more. Amen. God has done some miracles, but I don't want my testimony to always be two years ago. I want a testimony this year. I want a miracle this year. I want God to work this year. You know what I have to do? I have to give him my weakness. I have to give him my weakness. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of. My father used to tell all of these miracles that happened to him. And I'm jealous. I want more. Amen. He got miraculously healed of asthma. He had so many other miracles that I wish I had recorded them that God did for him as a young man. I want more of that. But maybe I'm not giving all my weaknesses to God so that he can perfect them. So when he's called a mighty man of valor, he looks at himself as as a weak. He's saying, what what are you talking about? Look at the situation. And then the Lord talked to him and said this, and the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Are you talking to me? I don't have nothing. How can I save Israel? Are you sure you're talking to me? How can I save, behold, my family is poor. We didn't win the lotto. <laughs> She said it was three people in Florida. But I almost guarantee you those three people are going to have to sleep in a motel tonight. <laughs> they can't go back home. They're going to have to, as soon as it, that's out, their life is, in, is they're going to ha- have to hire security. You know, it's not all what it's cracked up to be. Tonight you're going to be able to sleep in your own bed because you have something that nobody can steal. Nobody can take. Amen. The angel said, have not I sent thee? And he said unto you, O oh my Lord, what shall I save Israel with? I don't have anything. My family is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I'm, the, I'm, I'm not anything. Do you understand? This was the perfect person God was looking for. Somebody who was not going to claim it was because he was smart or because he was strong. Or because he had had training? Or because he went to seminary? (laughs) No, it wasn't because of anything. He he acknowledged, listen, you got the wrong person. I'm not a warrior. All I'm doing is looking after some wheat. I'm threshing some wheat. But you see now how God looks for that kind of person who is willing to just come to him in whatever weakness. Judges 6.23 And the Lord said unto him, Peace. Don't get all upset. Don't get worried that I'm I'm choosing you. Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. You can have peace when you know God is there with you. Even if you are going through some things, even if you see yourself as weak, even if you see yourself as incapable of really doing what God wants, he gave it to God and... He built an altar. That means he he made a sacrifice, and that's all God was looking for. And he named it Jehovah Shalom, God our peace, God our peace, Amen. And the Lord said unto to, to Gideon. So you know the story. Then Gideon sent out messages messages to the people and said, "Come on, let's we we need to defend ourselves. These people are coming every year and they're stealing our crops." And at first. He got 62,000 people came. 62,000 men came to fight. And the Lord looked at it and said, no, that's too much. (laughs) I can imagine Gideon saying, but Lord, there's 300,000 on the other side. We don't even have a third. We're not even even a third. Now, in normal army tactics, if you're going to attack someone, you need a three-to-one advantage. You need to be have three times the men if you're going to attack someone else. And here he had 62,000 men and God is saying, no, that's too much. You know why? God did not want it to be done by Israel's own hand. He wants to be our all-sufficient one. Amen. And you know what? All my life I can really tell you that's how God has kept me. He has never made me rich so that I can say, okay, I can just sit there. I'm I'm, got, I'm good. I'm fine. He's just kept me right on the edge. So I have to still depend upon him. <laughs> There's no time in my life when I can say, okay, God, I got this. I got, I got three years in the bank. Uh, I've got everything I need. I'm good. I... No, God wants us to depend upon him. He wants us to depend upon him because if we don't, you know what happens? We start to depend upon ourselves. And then that virus beginning with P comes in. <laughs> yeah, maybe I am smart. Look at, look at all these decisions I've made. Look at how this has started to pile up and work my way. The Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. You know what God does sometimes? And we've seen it in the New Testament. He lets the situation get worse. He lets your Lazarus die. He didn't come and heal him of pneumonia. No, he stayed even longer when Martha came. He let Lazarus die. Why? Because sometimes God wants to get a greater miracle. I, I, you know my story with that mortgage thing. It, it went on and went on till it became ridiculous. <laughs> I was telling Brother Parker how we, you know, how we took care of some of the things in the church. And I always tell them that story. And every time I tell it, it just astounds me what God did you know it it got to the stage where they it became ridiculous you you don't hear of a mortgage company forgiving $32,000 and saying okay fine you're current with your mortgage just keep going we write that all off after six that's god that's power you know god took us to the point where we had no other choice but to say lord you better step in now you know that's why I know that it's no good me buying a lotto ticket. I'm not going to win it. Not the odds, but God wants me to be dependent upon him. Not on any money, but on him. And God tells Gideon this. He says, lest Israel start to get that pride and think, mine own hand hath saved me. I can tell you this. There's no time in my life when it's been mine own hand. It's been God's hand every time that has saved me. Amen. So he he then comes up, he says, you got to get rid of some of these people. Tell all the ones that are a bit scared and got families to go home. And why I'm laughing is because I've said like that in this church. I said, if you're not 100% for this church, please go. There's other churches for you. I only want people who want to be here. Amen. I have no problem uh, giving you a letter of transfer. If you don't want to be 100% here, I'm not the pastor for you now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people saying whosoever is fearful and afraid let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead and they returned of the people 22,000 so now he's down to 10,000 and he's facing an army of 300,000 and he's going hmm I don't know about this I can sure that all of us would be going "Well, oh, Lord there's only five people out tonight <laughs> How are we going to pay the mortgage? <laughs> How are we going to fix this? How are we going to do that? And then the Lord says, that's too much. <laughs> you still got too many people, Gideon. But there's only 10,000. And the other side is 300,000. Lord, they got a 30 times advantage. No, that's too much. See, when God works, he doesn't want any doubt. There's going to be no doubt it was him all by himself. It's going to be him all by himself. He doesn't need our help. Amen. Amen. And so the Lord told him, listen, I want you to do another test on the people. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down onto the water. There's always going to be eventually a water test. You're going to be brought to a water test. Bring them down to the water and I will try them there for thee. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go with thee. And you know the story, and I don't even think it was, you know, so important how they did it, but God chose the ones that were not afraid, that were full of faith. And you know the story, they were left with only 300 people. 300 people now. That's the kind of odds God wants. I tell you, anyone with God is the majority. Anyone with God is the majority. I mean, I remember the time, uh, and I've told you this story before, in 2000, Chris and I, we went out to the um, Navajo Nation and we, we, we had some meetings out there and there was this one guy who had been in a gang and he was trying to get out of it and you couldn't leave that gang without them giving you, either killing you or really beating you up really bad and the, the, the night when he was coming, coming out of the school, and he saw about 50 of them with chains and stuff was gonna get him and as he moved to them and then they all stopped and started to back away as he started to go down the street. And this happened for a few nights and then finally the word got back to him and says, who is them four dudes with you every night? (laughs) Who's them big seven foot guys with you every night when you're leaving? He says, I don't, who's that? What are you talking about? He said, no, we see these guys with you, uh, walking with you. You hired some people, didn't you? The angel of the Lord and finally those people gave up because they couldn't get him they could every night they saw four or five huge tall figures surrounding this guy and they they just got tired of it after a while they just gave up so God wants the glory to himself his power is manifested in our weakness it's when we can't do it when we bring it to him just like the little boy Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to feed all these people. And they had the same reaction we would have. But Lord, there's 5,000 of them, and we out in the desert. How are we going to feed all these people? How can this possibly work? He says, go look for some food. And they came back and said, well, we have this little boy. But he's got five loaves and two fishes. Jesus said, give it to me. You know, whatever we have, no matter how small, when we give it to Jesus... That's when the multiplication, that's when the miracle happens. So you know the story. They were left with just 300 people. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, Gideon, By the 300 that lapped will I save you. Now the odds are 300 to 1. 300 to 1. Now that's the kind of odds God likes. So maybe you're still not weak enough yet. (laughs) Maybe you still have too many people. Maybe you're still trying to do stuff yourself. That may be your problem. Instead of saying, Lord, I give up. This is too much. I can't do this. I need your strength in my weakness. I need your strength in my weakness. So now the children of the the Amalekites heard that Israel was going to try and defend themselves. So they went out and got all of their homies, so to speak. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers from multitude. 300,000 army come to get you. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside from multitude. They said, well, we're going to teach them for trying to break out from under us. But you see, when God is in, the, in it, God can make the situation perfect in our weakness. So God told Gideon, This is what you're going to do. You're not even going to really have to fight. You're just going to rejoice. You're just going to blow the trumpet and act like you already won. Act like you already won. Devil won't know what hit him. So Gideon and the hundred men that were there, he divided them into three camps came onto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. So about 2 a.m., they crept up to the army, a hundred men, and they started to rejoice. <laughs> and they put, they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break some, some glass uh, vases that they had. And the three companies blew trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands and began to blow. And then they cried out something. The sword... The Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran. They woke up in the middle of the night and they heard all this noise and commotion, and they figured that Israel has hired some mercenaries. We better get out of this place. And the whole three hundred thousand of them took off and ran, leaving all their weapons, all the... this is what God can do. This is what God can do. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. In our weakness. Here's the story I was just talking about. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude that had followed him out into the desert. And they were with him for hours. And there was no shops, there was no pick and save, there was no McDonald's. And was moved with compassion t- towards them and he healed their sick. And when when it was evening, his disciples came to him. This is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some victuals, some food. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give them to eat. See, this was a test. God will call you to do something that looks impossible. What? What did you say? (laughs) Jesus, what did you say? What did you say? You know we don't have any food. We came out here just following you. Give them to eat. Can you think of something God is asking you to do right now? That you don't think you have the capacity or the wherewithal to do? Let me go back a little bit here. Because that's what he will do. God will challenge you so that his power can be made perfect in our weakness, in our lack In our incapacity. But Jesus said to them, They don't need to leave. Give ye them to eat. So you know the story. And they said to him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. It wasn't even enough for the young lad really because those weren't really big fishes. And Jesus said, What? Bring it to me. This is the key. We take our insufficiency and our weakness and we give it to Jesus. That was the key. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes, whatever you will give to God. When we give ourselves to God, even though we're not strong, I many times think, no, I'm incapable of, of being pastor. Let me just confess that. If God isn't helping me, many times when I come up here, I say, Lord, you better, you better show up here right now. <laughs> You can ask brother, our media man there, he said, what are you going to t- talk about tonight? I said, I don't know. <laughs> that's the truth. I said, I'm not sure. I told him one thing and then the Lord changed it. I told him one thing and I had to go back and say, no, that's not what we're going to talk about. You know what? I said, Lord, you're going to have to do this because I can't do it. I can't do it. And I, you know, I look, I've been looking for the Bible study to teach all week. It's like Peter fishing. But at the last minute, God showed me what I needed to teach tonight. Amen. Amen. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes, looking up to heaven, and he blessed and break and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Now you see the progression here. The the real miracle did not happen altogether in Jesus' hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. Because... They, there was only 12 of them, right? There was at least 15,000 people. That means on average, each of them had to have food for 1,000 people. So whatever he gave them had to keep on multiplying. Because what he gave them, you couldn't feed 15,000 people even with one basket full. You'd have had to come back. So the miracle kept on kept on going because they looked at their insufficiency. Well, Jesus, you... you You've only given me one basket. There are a thousand people laid out in my section. But this is the key. When we bring our weakness to God, he can multiply. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. Getting back to the main story about Paul. Remember the story now. He had prayed three times, God, please take this thing from me, whatever it was. And I really believe Paul deliberately did not tell us what it was so that it could apply to a lot of stuff. If he had said, oh, it was my eyes, we'd say, okay, it's eyes. But he deliberately didn't tell us what this thorn in the flesh was so that it could apply to a lot of stuff. After praying three times for God to take whatever it is or heal whatever it is, he finally got it. God said, listen, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. That is so deep, that is so profound. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever weakness you think you have, God's grace is sufficient. Just don't give up. Just don't uh, think that God doesn't love you. Just don't think that it's impossible and think, well, because I'm weak, i got to give up. No, my grace, unmerited favor, my love, my loving kindness is good enough. We see this again with David, right? You know the story with Goliath. As Brother Parker said, Goliath had been there 40 days taunting the army of Israel. He come out and he stood in front of all the army and says, come on now, send me someone to fight me. Of course, he was nine foot tall and probably about six or seven hundred pounds. And his spear, they said, was like a, beaver, a, a, a weaver's beam. That means it was about four or five inches around we probably couldn't even hold it and when the philistine looked about and saw david is this what you sent to me he disdained him for he was but a youth you see god likes to use weakness to prove his strength and of a fair countenance and the philistine said to david am i a dog did you come into me with some stones that's what you throw at a dog you're coming to me with some stones i'm a warrior you should be you can't be sending this this boy out to fight me You come to me with staves, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now that was his big mistake. (laughs) He tried to curse David by his gods. But the Bible says what? No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and unto the beasts of the fields. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield. Now, do you remember what happened with Gideon? What did they shout? The sword of Gideon and of the Lord. And so he is going to do the same. He says, in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies, whom thou hast defied. Same thing happened with, um, not Hezekiah, But the the king of Israel, when 180,000 came came against him and he took the the letter to the temple and God told him, listen, it's not you they're against, they're fighting me. You see, when you give yourself to God, they're not fighting you, they're fighting God. Amen. So let's look at this a little bit deeper. My grace is sufficient for, for thee, for my strength is made perfect. In weakness once Paul got it once he understood the principle he said you know what then I'm gonna give all my weaknesses to God I'm gonna I'm when I find that I'm not strong enough I'm gonna I'm gonna be happy about that because here's another opportunity for God to do a miracle in my life most gladly therefore will I glory now this is hard unless you believe it this is hard unless you see it therefore now which of us is going to glory in our infirmities Because it's an opportunity for God to do a miracle in our lives. Here's what Paul understood out of this situation. Therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities. That means in his weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So God has room to work in my life. If I was so perfect. Remember what Jesus said? He didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. They were criticizing because he was always hanging around. The poor, the publicans, the tax collectors, the prostitutes that 's where you found jesus he said i didn 't come to call the righteous they don 't need it 's the sick that need a doctor. When paul understood this he said this i 'm going to give it all to God so that his power can be even more manifest. rest upon me, and that is so hard for us to do because we want to condemn ourselves and not let God put his declaration." of perfection upon us. Do you understand? And it starts from the garden. Remember what, remember what God asked Adam when he was hiding? And he said, because I was afraid. The next question was, who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you you were naked. You condemned yourself. See, God wants to declare us perfect. But that declaration can only remain if we will give our weaknesses to him and allow it to rest and remain upon him. This is what Paul understood. Hebrews 11.32 When it's declaring the heroes of faith, it mentions this thing thousands of years before about Gideon. And what shall I say more for the time would fail to tell of Gideon? and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. One man and 300 other followers defeated an army of 300,000, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. And here's the point. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight, the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. What well, we have to understand that God wants to declare us perfect. But that will only stay upon us if we give him our weakness and not claim it. Because I'm my worst enemy. I'm my worst. I, I tend to condemn myself So much because I can see all my failings and the things that I'm not doing that I would like to do. But if I only look at that, I'm going to fail. I have to look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher, the completer, the perfecter of my faith. Because the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. No matter how perfect I thought I was or could be, it would be nothing. In the end, there is no sinless except Jesus. He has to put his grace and his power upon us to make us perfect. And this is the key. And this is what Paul in this story in, 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 in Corinthians understood. He was given some stuff that wouldn't go away so he would understand that this this weakness enables him to remain humble. Sometimes God allows us to have little things in our life, so we remain humble. Second Corinthians twelve ten. Therefore, I take pleasure. Now this is hard. In infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities. Oh, Paul, could you have stopped? <laughs> He's saying in infir- that means sicknesses. That means people coming against me in reproaches, in in necessities, that means in need, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That's something that the devil does not understand. That is so deep and so profound because it allows God to declare us, not as we are, but as what he Wants us to be as what he sees as his fulfillment, calling those things. Remember now the story: the angel came up to Gideon before he had done a single thing. What did he call him? Thou mighty man of valor. You know what God was doing? He was declaring something before it happened. Gideon hadn't even got an army. Gideon started to go. It took a while before Gideon actually even obeyed because he distrusted. He said, "No, you you got the wrong guy." <laughs> i got to test you. If you're really God, then I, you know he put out some tests. You can't be calling me a mighty man of power. He could have resisted, but this is what I'm trying to tell you in this Bible study. We have to allow the, the God who created us to declare us perfect. And once we can get that in our soul, that will make our head lift up a little bit higher. Not in pride, but in love in gratefulness in thanksgiving let me read this again therefore i take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches in necessity. he's covering everything that you could class as a weakness in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake for when i am weak then am i strong and that seems to make no sense but what he's talking about in christ I can do what? All things through Christ that strengtheneth me. See, when our strength runs out, that's when God's strength begins. We see this, of course, really epitomized or really brought to the pinnacle in the life of Christ himself. Let's look at what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians 13, 4. For though he was crucified through weakness when they arrested him he didn't look like the king of kings and lord of lords he didn't look like somebody who could snap his fingers and make them all disappear the bible says for though he was crucified through weakness the flesh is weak yet he liveth by the power of god for we also are weak in him but we shall also live with him by the power of god that is towards us amen Let's look at this some more because we have a blessed hope. Amen. Amen. We are not like the people out there who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. You know what that's talking That's the ultimate weakness is death. And yet God is going to triumph over that and resurrect all that have died in him. For we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. It's still such a hard thing to give God our weaknesses and not be telling uh, ourselves how naked we are. Who told you you were naked? God didn't tell him he was naked. They were naked all the time. Did God tell him they were naked? No, because he had clothed them with his glory. Who told you you were naked? Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul learned something. That sometimes, some of the things we go through are there to give us a a vaccination. A vaccination. I had a vaccination when I was about 18. And I'm talking spiritually now. I got myself in some trouble. But because of that, that vaccination has stopped me getting into worse trouble now. Because every time that could occur I think back to what happened (laughs) and I say "Uh oh no I see how this goes I've been down this road before sometimes God allows us in his mercy to feel a little of the heat so that we don't actually end up in the fire amen if you could stand with me a thorn in the flesh I know we don't like it but sometimes God needs to inoculate us with some issues that maybe they won't go away right away But they're there to prevent even a worse thing happening. But even in that, if we will give God our weaknesses, as Paul said that now I glory in in necessities, in infirmities, in reproaches. These are hard stuff. This is something that is the next level. If you can understand and let God, let his declaration of perfection rest and remain upon us. Because as I've said to you before, what it really means If we refuse, that is saying that what Christ did was not good enough. And if what he did was not good enough to save us, then nothing is good enough. But the truth is what he did was more than enough to deliver, to save, to heal, to resurrect, to make new, to revive, to restore. What he did on Calvary was an overpayment, was an overpayment. You know, it's like when you overpay and they have to send you back a refund. That's what what Christ did. It was an overpayment on your sins. He's owed a refund. And what I want to tell you tonight, that even though there are some things that may not go when we pray right away, maybe it's to inoculate us. Amen. From, From certain viruses of sin. So that we will understand that His grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect even in our weakness. Isn't that awesome? That's something to meditate upon this week. When we think of our weaknesses, you need to just say, God, okay, I'm here. You take this. You make it perfect. Somehow use this for my good. Even though I can't see it right now. Even though I can't feel it right now. Lord, I give you this. Let your declaration of perfection rest upon me. Just as the angel came up to Gideon before he'd done a thing and called him down. Mighty man of valor. (laughs) that's what God is declaring on each and every one of you saying you're a mighty man of valor you're my child you're a king you're a priest you're a saint and I declare you perfect amen hallelujah let's bow our hearts father we thank you tonight for your word lord let this word meditate in our hearts let it oh god give us faith to understand your love and your grace is sufficient lord we look up to you tonight and we thank you in advance to let your words of perfection rest and remain upon us, Lord, that your declaration of perfection, hallelujah, will supersede whatever the enemy wants to throw at us. It just won't stick. We thank you right now for deliverance, for victory, hallelujah, for revival and restoration. And we give you all of the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Give God a praise offering today.